Today on CityCast Chicago, spring is here, meaning Chicago hinge and rainy days dominated the timeline this week. As always, there were a ton of stories happening across the city, and the team is together to break them down. It's Friday, March 25th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Uh, we are here in Uptown at producer Simone Alisea's place. Is lead producer Carrie Shepard, myself, and uh, newsletter writer Sydney Madden is in the back room working on the newsletter. <laughs> we don't want the typing on her computer to kind of uh, filter into the the audio. So, uh, say hi, Sydney. Uh, you can't hear her, but she says hello. <laughs> Hold on, let me Just check to my be levels. clear, we don't usually make Sydney work out of a different place than <laughs> us. We do very much see her as an integral part of our team. But to get things started off before we look back on the week, it has been a pretty gloomy, pretty rainy week. Um, and so I use this week to kind of treat myself a little bit. I don't do it often, but um, I, I, like a lot of people... Uh, I'm obsessed with the sneakers app, and like a lot of people, I get my heart broken every single week or every single month trying to get a pair of nice sneakers, and I lose. I probably lost the sneaker raffle like 200 times. I think you need to explain the sneaker raffle to folks. So because sneakers are, it's not even that they're rare. It's the fact that so many people purchase them, so many people are interested in buying sneakers to resell them because the resale market of sneakers is so crazy any kind of sneakers we're done not just nikes or jordans we're talking adidas sell out joe fresh good new balance sell out uh the sneaker app will sell out shoes in 10 minutes maybe even less and so this past week i tried and i won four sneaker raffles in a row has someone calculated the odds of this? Like that no. seems that seems nuts. Four in a week. Uh, I, I'm definitely feeling the luck this week, despite all. Well, we the got gloom. paid this Friday, right? We get paid to. <laughs> we get paid today. Get paid today. <laughs> so I also teach, so I get paid every. Week, so. <laughs> okay, there you go. There you go. Uh, but I have to ask the team. You know, when's the last time they treated themselves, and what if they treat themselves with lead producer Carrie Shepard? Uh, when's the last time you went out and, and treat yourself? Treat yourself. I treat myself all the time, Jacoby. Not gonna <laughs> lie. And um, as we talked about this week, I am one of those people getting a four hundred dollar check from Facebook settlement. I did <laughs> turn in that claimant form. Good I did not you. even sweat it. I was like, ding. Um, so I just got some new. I, I mean, I'll go through the list, right? Uh, we're updating our bathroom. So I got a new bathroom light, some new wallpaper for in there. I got some new shoes. Uh, I got this Superfly Adidas jacket I'm wearing this right now. like more than 400, dollars, 400 Facebook dollars. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you, you are, I love that you, you mentioned the Facebook as the reason. And then you're like, I already spent that $400. You listen to the episode, that money not coming for like 30, 60 yeah. days. <laughs> that, that check has not yet arrived, as I recall. <laughs> It is not arrived. But it's also tax season, so we're going to tax season. Oh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. You said it's claim season. It's tax season. <laughs> One of the cool BTS moments of being on City Cash Chicago was watching uh, Carrie give Simone some of our old clothes. <laughs> we met up a few times, and Carrie usually has like a trunk full of things for Simone <laughs> to go through uh, and try out, and it's always a fun time. 
Baloney, what did uh, what's the last thing you treated yourself with? So I am the odd one out here because I don't <laughs> buy things <laughs> ever. <laughs> uh, uh, and if I do, it's because like I almost always it's because I very much need it. Like I very much needed a haircut, and so I got a haircut. Uh, Looks great. Looks great. Thank you. Thank you. But the last thing I bought that was like actually for fun, that was just because I wanted it, <laughs> was. I got a new puzzle I knew that was it. <laughs> a few weeks ago. <laughs> I knew that was it. I, I was like racking my brain trying to figure out what the last thing I bought for fun was. I really was. And I think this is it. And so this was like, this was like a month ago. This was a while ago. Me and Carrie dropping racks on sneakers <laughs> and clothes and jump shoes. I got a puzzle. The puzzle was on sale, too. I got too. a puzzle on sale. Y'all out here blowing them city cash checks and I'm saving Let's jump into some top stories from the week, and I'll get us started with a press release uh, that just hit our emails. It looks like the mayor has selected her uh, replacement of Patrick Daly-Thompson in the 11th Ward, and that individual is going to be Nicole Lee. I believe that her current job, or, or if she is confirmed to be in city council, uh, most previous job would have been with United, working in like social engagement, community engagement. Uh, she grew up in Chinatown. She has connections to the neighborhood, working with local organizations. I believe her father was a longtime um, kind of political figure in the neighborhood, um, has some connections to Daly. She is a CPS student. She went to Whitney Young, I believe, according to the reports that I saw at this point. Um, but it seems like a, you know, a pick that isn't too surprising. Uh, it sounds like Nicole will be the first Asian-American woman to be an alder person uh, in the city of Chicago, which, you know, when we talked about this earlier, uh, Simone said something to the point, it's both uh, wild and not shocking that it's wild. Like, it's wild because it's not wild in a way um, that we still have some of these first, but we've covered ward remapping. We've co covered the state of our city council throughout our run, and the 11th ward is one that's going to see changes with this ward remapping. I believe both of the proposals right now have the 11th ward becoming the first majority Asian American ward in city history. Carrie, you had any thoughts on this selection? Yeah, you, know? you mentioned this. Uh, so her, the daily connection, her dad was an aide for Mayor Richard M., correct? Yes, okay. I believe so. Yeah, I mean, this. I think this is a very emblematic moment of our changing city. Uh, Bridgeport, traditionally a very, the stronghold of the daily machine, white, Irish ethnic community. Um, Jacoby, you know this better than me, but many people I've interviewed over the years African-Americans were afraid to walk through Bridgeport when they were growing for, up. For sure. And if you was going to Sox Park, you went to Sox Park and then you left. And then you left. You get on the red line, you head the hell out. Um, and the fact that we've been, I've learned so much from the conversations we've had in the past year about this being a majority Asian American, the po possibility of it being a majority Asian American ward. So, I mean, this is a, a huge, important community that has, they told us, has felt like they didn't really feel represented and they didn't really feel like what they needed in their community um, was represented in city council. So yeah, I think this was obviously the right move by Mayor Lightfoot. Um, but obviously it's, it's hard not to see the strategy a little bit too in the fact that she has daily connections and she's going to have to use those to get the vote of the old the residents that are the still in Bridgeport. Guard, sure. Yep. Most recent census data, I believe, says that 
percentage-wise, the Asian-American population in Chicago had the largest growth over the last 10 years. And like you said, we've talked with everybody from the Chinese-American Museum to local uh, Chinese-American influencers, and everyone says they feel it's time for them to be represented, you know. And as a, as a Lightfoot appointee, we'll be curious to see... Is, what's that power know, there? You right, know? what is that relationship going to be like come election season when Lightfoot, you know, is going to maybe be be running again as well. So that relationship is also going to be curious to see. You know, speaking of Chinatown, the near South Side and, and the mayor earlier this week, the mayor announced three finalists for casinos in Chicago. We've been talking about this for a while now, that a casino is coming to the city of Chicago. That has been decided. Where it will be, who will win the bid is still left up. Um, I believe the last three choices are the 78, uh, Hard Rock, and then Bailey's at Tribune Publishing. I believe two of those would end up on the the near south side, close to either Soldier Field or, or Chinatown. There was a WTTW report earlier this week that talked about the state of gambling in Illinois. And last year, our state wagered about $7.1 billion. And with access to gambling becoming more and more convenient as it goes digital, um, during the pandemic, Illinois waived a law that has now, I believe, been completely out like kind of taken off the books which was you had to go to a physical casino to sign up to do online digital gambling they waived that and have completely um restricted it now and so people have just been signing up from their homes and while uh you know the conversation around how you feel about gambling or the access to gambling you you may have people in your family who have dealt with it um I think the excitement from the city to like bring in gambling revenue and tax revenue in some ways overshadows the conversation of like, is this happening too fast? Are we paying enough attention to the risks that come with gambling? That report shows that, you know, people who are in major gambling debt are five times more likely to commit suicide. You know, to speak from just like a personal perspective, over the last two years as gambling has become more digital in Illinois, I've watched as the conversation has shifted in our group chats, in the Twitter feeds and the Instagram and the 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 people I follow in Chicago, just friends, people I grew up with, how quickly the conversation of parlays and what team you bet on. You know, as somebody who isn't a you know huge into online gambling, it it has been a little startling to watch. Uh, because it, it sucks you in, you know. My brother being like, "Oh, it was one rebound from seventy thousand dollars." That it's, like wow. that's the moment where that moment of like, I almost won this gigantic sum of money. Like that's very much the like precipice moment of like, oh, I need to keep doing this. If I came this close, clearly that means I should be doing more of it. You're talking about sort of people who are worried about increases in gambling addiction. This is not a theoretical thing. I mean, the Sun-Times reported last year that between 2019 and 2020, so right after the state, um, you know, legalized sports betting, calls to the state's gambling hotline doubled between 2019 and 2020. Um, and we're, we're only seeing that trend is continuing now into 2022. So it's not sort of a, you know, it's not just anecdotal or theoretical when we're talking about uh, a higher prevalence of, of gambling, of problem gambling, of gambling addiction. Um, it, it's actually happening right now. The digital sports betting, I, it's kind of gross to me just of how easy it is and like how easy it is to kind of, and like, how it's easy it is when you're younger to get sucked into it, right? If if you can sign up right on your phone and just you know kind of kind of play around with the physical casinos, y- you know I 
tend to be of the mindset that, you know, legalizing more things, having more things around is, is sort of better. Like it's not good to like have stuff in the shadows, but this is big. And like the goal is to attract a lot of people. The goal is to attract lots of tourists. You know, what you have to wonder, like, how is that going to change the whatever neighborhood it ends up in? Mm -hmm. We talked about shadows earlier this week and, you know, one of the experts in the TTW piece really talked about how it it's even scarier because of how maybe easier it is to hire or hide your gambling addictions mm. versus maybe substance abuse. Um, mm -hmm. and it's an addiction like mm -hmm. anything. Addiction mm -hmm. is disease. It doesn't exactly. discriminate. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. From the new 11th Ward Alder to the upcoming casino in Chicago, some big stories that happened across the week. We want to make sure we're shedding some light on some stories that might not get as much attention. Uh, I'm going to start with you, lead producer Carrie Shepard. What's that story for you this week? Uh, both the 11th Ward and the gambling, uh, we are going to we're going to continue to follow here on CityCast Chicago. But this was something else we're also looking into. Something you brought up, Jacoby, is DCFS. Um, there is there's been some good coverage from the Tribune on this. You know, DCFS, the Department of Children and Family Services, the budget is Pritzker raised it, it's 250 million. The reason it's really in the news right now is that the DCFS director, Mark Smith, this is the seventh time, I think, that he's been held in contempt of court. And the reason being that um the court says he failed, I think the public guardian says he failed to place kids who were in, you know, unstable living situations, usually like psychiatric care. When you look at the cases that were related to the contempt of court, they range from January 6th to March 17th, things like a nine-year-old girl, uh, uh, January 6th, 2022 to March 17th, 2022. Uh, it ranged from a nine-year-old girl kept locked in a psychiatric hospital since June of last year. Uh, a 17-year-old boy kept locked in a psychiatric hospital since September 10th of last year. An 11-year-old girl who has been ready for discharge from a locked psychiatric hospital since April 30th of last year. You know, Smith says, like a lot of agencies, I don't have the staff, I don't have the resources to, you know, get these kids to where they need to be. 
DCFS, we should say, also has been operating under a federal consent decree for 30 years, I think. Um, and, you know, this is our most vulnerable part of society, right? This is, these are our kids. Um, and there have been, you know, various reforms and pushes, like to make sure kids are placed with siblings, you know, so they're not separated. Those are, that's just one, you know, one example of the many reforms. But um, I think, I mean, I'm just interested to see, first of all, what holding the director in contempt of court even accomplishes. Right, if um, you've already done it seven times. If you've like, already done it seven right. times and if it's not getting the kid's place. But, I mean, I I think it sends a message and at least does put it on the radar. Um, there have been, I do think that Smith has been in front of the health uh, committee, health services committee down at the, down in Springfield. So, I, you know, be worth watching those committee hearings. But this is something I think um, should always be on the radar, right? It's like prisons. It's like a lot of things where um, when mistreatment happens, it's we hear about it when it's too late. One of the things that I found crazy is that since 2003, they've had 14 different leaders of the of agency. Of DCFS? yeah. Yeah. Wow. So a consent decree for the better part of 30 years and about 14 people over the last almost 20 years leading the organization. I mean, we can talk about it enough, but like it's really hard to, you know, build sustainable programs, sustainable vision when you're constantly kind of taking on new leadership. I don't think I've ever heard stories about DCFS that were positive, that, you know, sounded like the organization was working productively. And that's not to say that they're not good people in DCFS. Of course, right. Not of people course. doing good work in terms of social services, working to look out for the well-being of children, even offering assistance to struggling families and struggling parents. But it goes without saying, these kids are some of the most vulnerable. The amount of kids who move through DCFS foster without ever getting a, a, a stable home Many of them at 18 are tossed out onto the streets. Yeah. And so yeah. It, it doesn't... You age out of the right. system, right? It, it's more than just a failing for the kids who are in the system. There are thousands of kids who get booted out of the system every single year who've already been failed and now move into some other department's sort of responsibility. And when you have multiple uh, departments kind of failing to provide adequate social services, it, it really creates a cycle for poverty that I don't think people talk about. When you look at... Uh, you know, the incarcerated population in our city, when you look at the, the homeless population, you'll find stark numbers of how many of those people have moved through departments like DCFS. And, and those connections, um, you know, are not by accident. Uh, Simone, what was your story this week that you want to make sure we, we throw some more light on? Yeah, so uh, last week we talked with uh, a couple of folks making... Um, public data, more public. One of those people was um, Anthony Moser, who does a lot of work around uh, environmental justice. Shout out to Mo. Yeah, uh, uh, particularly around um, Matt Asphalt in uh, McKinley Park. Um, Matt Asphalt is the subject of hundreds and hundreds of uh, complaints around air pollution. Um, so now Matt Asphalt has put in a bid for $500 million in city contract work which of course has neighbors concerned that there will be even more air pollution, right? That, that there will be even more issues. Um, the latest sort of move in that is there 
is uh, with sort of community support, a group of alders have um, put forward a proposal to require environmental review in city contract bidding, um, which I'm, I guess I'm a little surprised that that doesn't already happen on some level. Yeah. Like, yeah. When you go, we, we've talked about environmental justice efforts in largely Latino neighborhoods on the West side, the Southeast side of the city. Um, and we've had victories, right. In some respects with like companies like general iron being forced out, but then these are harder to pinpoint, you know, these development contracts. If you didn't have somebody looking into this to see what companies are bidding to get city work, it'd be so much harder to, to kind of, or it's so much harder to hold them accountable. It's, it's the reason that, you know, Anthony is one of the people who is pointing this out to us because he's looking into that. It's one thing when a company is trying to, you know, move a plant across the city, but even then, that process had already started and was almost complete until activists found out open there, you know, kind of uh, band together to, to put some pressure on the city. So, you know, it, it's really difficult to do the work of holding these companies accountable when so much of the development process, so much of the, the contracting process seemingly happens behind closed doors. Um, so, so again, shout out to the data scientists, folks like Anthony who are They're not, are I mean, but this. the, I would say we like, if they're really just concerned citizens. They're not even data scientists a lot Understood, of Understood, right. You know, like they, I, I always think shout out to the people that just care about their neighborhood enough, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I feel like an asshole every time I walk by all the trash in our neighborhood and don't pick it up. You know, these are people who are like fighting, literally, you can fight city hall, right? Yeah. Like they are fighting politicians and, and these huge corporations, so... We got to leave the people every single week with our favorite part of the show, at least my favorite part of the show, which is some good news to get you through the weekend. Uh, my some good news comes from the southeast side of the city. Um, I had the great opportunity of going to a documentary preview for Southeast, a city within a city, which was directed by Southeast resident uh, from the east side, Stephen Walsh. We had Walsh on the podcast back in September to talk about this story, you know, when we talk about environmental justice, so many of us think about the Southeast side first. It is an industrious uh, part of town or it's an industry heavy part of town. At one point, the documentary says, you know, they were making arguably the most steel, producing the most steel um, in the United States, the steel that built the Sears Tower steel that built the John Hancock, the Aon Center. This is all steel that came from the Southeast side. And so Stephen has been trying to capture this story because when he moved back to Chicago after college, he would hear his grandpa Coco playing these songs on his guitar. And he asked him like, what are these songs about? And he said, these are the songs of our neighborhood. This is the story of migrants from Poland from Mexico, from the South, all coming to the Southeast in hopes of jobs. So the Southeast side was popping. The businesses were flourishing. The number of pictures, archival footage that Stephen has. You see, you know, Mexican parades in the street. You see black men wearing suits. You see the, the steel mill choir full of Polish immigrants and Mexican immigrants all together. And you know, when we talk about neighborhoods, it, it's this is a very common story, right? When the jobs were heavy, the joy was as well. And the neighborhood thrived. And 
Yeah, and and when you watch as those numbers drop from five hundred thousand people working in the steel mill to two hundred thousand in a matter of years, um, you know he just has done such a beautiful job to not only capture his story, his grandfather's story, but the story of this neighborhood that went from a very diverse, very industry heavy part of town to, and I and I say this with no shade to the literal garbage dump of our city. 90% of the landfills in Chicago are on the southeast side. Um, and, and so the moment of joy really was just watching Walsh capture his story and reinvigorate. That place was packed. Nice. He has an event coming up April 10th at the University of Chicago to show a screening of it as well. Simone Baloney, what was your some good news for the people this week? Jacoby, you've heard this. This is going to be the third time you've heard this story now. <laughs> <laughs> but... I haven't said it yet on the podcast. And so, uh, and it frankly is, it's like the best thing that happened. So I have talked about on the podcast now, the fact that I joined a rock climbing gym. I go rock climbing on a regular basis. We're following basis. your journey. I think it's a, it's like a plot on the I know, podcast. Now we're, we're following my, my rock climbing journey. So this week I sent a really hard V3 bouldering problem. Here's what that means. I am, I'm an expert now. <laughs> I know. I explained it all to Jacoby already. V3, there's a scale of of how difficult starts at VB, which is like beginner. It goes, I mean, in the gym, it's like goes up to like V10 maybe in the gym, but it goes up higher uh, in real world. Um, and I am like starting to get to a level. I've been climbing V2s and I'm starting to get to V3s. I sent it, which means I made it from the bottom to the top the way that you're supposed to do it. Um, and it was a very hard climb. I was really tired afterwards and I was extraordinarily proud of myself the there's a there's a kind of an angle so you're starting kind of on your back a little bit and then you have to do a really dynamic move um because you have to get over another there's like something jutting out and you kind of have to get over it so you have to like push yourself up and there's only like one place teeny tiny little foot chip to put your foot on um and so it requires balance and leg strength, and you have to catch yourself with your hands. Sound like some Spider-Man it, shit to me. It is the closest <laughs> Spider-Man problem I've been able to actually complete. Congrats. I was very pleased That's with awesome. awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm all for the this, this journey uh, of rock Yeah, climbing. me too. <laughs> I mean, you're literally climbing I know. up. I mean, no mountain. I'm ascending. <laughs> I am ascending. Okay, I got it. Cool. Cool. Lead producer Carrie Shepard, what was your some good news? I feel like this is very a very Chicago thing. And it's okay. So anyone who drives in Chicago, and I just want to preface with I didn't drive for like 12 years. I started driving a few years ago. And let me tell you, I am the best parker <laughs> ever. She she makes I that can clear. get my little Honda HRV. It looks like someone just sloop, slid it into the space. <laughs> and I'm going to put a picture on Twitter. Sid will put it in, in the newsletter <laughs> of what how I parked today. But also a park job I did a couple weeks ago in, in the snow on a very narrow Lincoln Park Street mm -hmm. on a Saturday mm. when everyone's whizzing around mad. <laughs> and I got into that spot right in front of where I needed to go. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can make that. I can make that. And today, this morning, Sid was like, I wasn't going to say it, 
but I was kind of doubting you could do it, <laughs> but I didn't want to say it. And she's like, but you seemed really confident. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. I remember mentioning like a really hard spot at like last March or last April. And he was like, I 100% can do it. 100%. I was like, it was one of the first oh, yeah. cocky moments I remember from money. I was like, what? Was like, I get in that moment 100%. <laughs> this, is, this is probably the most podcasty conversation. <laughs> I have felt a part of not in terms of how we're talking, how we sound, or anything, because we always sound great. But in terms of like, like you chilling in the in the seat, you got like the shawl on the on the seat. Carrie's like in her part of the uh, the room. I'm at like the kitchen table. It's like, and but we can all see each other. It has a very podcast vibe. Totally, this was on YouTube. Totally. This shit would look fine. Uh, but this was a fantastic uh, Friday roundup. Shout out to lead producer Carrie Shepard, producer Samal Alisea. I am your host, Jacoby Cochran. And again, joining us, but not really on mic, in another room working on the best newsletter in the city of Chicago, Sydney Madden. Woo! Sydney, say bye to the people. Nothing. We got nothing all from right. Sid. You, you can't hear it, but Sydney says thank you all so much. We've asked you to subscribe to our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm so many times. Now we want to hear some feedback from you. Go to that same link and go to our audience survey. You could also enter to win a $100 Visa gift card. I got to give love to the people who make some of the CityCast Chicago music, and that's Sam Thousand and Mark Greenberg at the Mayfair Workshop. Uh, we will talk to you on Monday. Peace. Carrie, I got to ask. Oh, okay, I got a jumpsuit, Those too. things you just listed. <laughs> a jumpsuit. I know you love a jumpsuit. Of those things you just listed, which one is your favorite and what does it look like?